Okay, good evening, everybody beyond the buy box crew. We are live. First of all, let me apologize. We are um, outside of our normal time slot, but hopefully you guys are going to forgive me considering who I have sat next to me virtually, not you know, physically, that would be uh, quite impressive given our separate locations and where we are right now. So this evening, guys, I am joined by multi-eight-figure seller, Watch Me Amazon's very, very own Larry Lebarski. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to Beyond the Buy Box and, and to the UK, essentially. Well, well, th thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for inviting me virtually to the UK. It is a pleasure to be here. Have you been to the UK before? I assume virtually, but whether physically, who knows? So I've been to the UK virtually for many, many years. I yeah. always had an affinity for all things British, and I always wanted to go to the UK. I've never gotten the chance to actually go there physically. Um, however, as many people who have been following me for a long time know that I actually started my business selling in the UK, and I built up a big yeah. US to UK business first um, before I dove into my own domestic market. So yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, I'm a big proponent of Amazon in the UK and all throughout Europe. I think it is a tremendous, um, largely untapped market in comparison to the US. And um, yeah, happy to be here and talk shop. Yeah, excellent. Thank you so much. Well, you know, thanks everyone. Everyone's piling in. We're just going to give it a few minutes to let people join us because uh, we're a couple of minutes late in joining on, but kind of started digging deep with Larry uh, on a couple of conversations. And I could have just kept it to myself for the hour, to be perfectly honest, but I thought I wouldn't be selfish and I would share our conversations for you guys to come on board. So we got people from Ireland joining us. Rosie, we've got Cindy, we've got Johnny, who's one of the also uh, owners uh, of this group and uh, also all of our training as well. I'm trying to, there's loads of people coming in, so I'm literally trying to keep on top. I can't say hello individually to everyone, unfortunately, but welcome, guys. Hayden's joined us. Carla's joined us. Welcome, Leon, Simon, to here. Good to have you here. Sylvia from Germany. Yeah, we are really the full UK European experience Amazing. Uh, at the moment. <laughs> Is Johnny your business partner for the Amazon business as well? Not the Amazon business. So we have um, our training company uh, together and we are currently building some inventory management software together as well. So Amazing. Uh, so so soon we will be competitors. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But do you know what? I'm I'm a really big fan. I, I am that person that, you know, I would rather work in cohesion with our competitors and you know while while we're always able to offer value to everyone and there's always more than enough market to go around for everyone that's same. the way i feel i feel yeah. the same way same yeah absolutely good to hear we got scotland as well so yeah oh a couple of people from germany joining us so welcome everybody it's really really great to have you here so let me just run through the the kind of unscheduled order of what we're going to do today for anyone and i don't really think there is going to be anyone that doesn't know Larry. I'm going to give Larry the opportunity to give us a kind of brief history of his Amazon selling uh, journey, if that's okay, for anyone who's been living under a rock that doesn't know who you are. Then we, you know, the main reason for me asking you here this evening is to be able to go through some of these upcoming kind of logistical shipping 
changes, some big Amazon fee changes that are coming to the US platform. As I said to you previously, we have sellers that sell in the US platform. And, you know, we're mixed up of European, uh, UK and US sellers. And I think the big question, which I wouldn't expect anyone to answer, so we will come on to that a bit later, is wh whether this stuff is going to be replicated into the UK. Hunter, I already, I already know it is. Oh, there we go. Yeah, okay. I know, yeah. I know it is. So the one thing that the UK has going for it is if Amazon does do, does force multiple splits on all the sellers. Fortunately, the UK is not that big. So if you have to ship yeah. to the other side of the country, it's not the same as doing it in the US. But the UK and the European market largely has always lagged behind the US market one or yeah. two years, depending on what Amazon is doing in the US. It eventually and inevitably finds its way to the UK, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I that pretty much was, you know, where most of us, you know, were sort of thinking. We were probably hoping and praying it wasn't going to go into that direction. But let's face it, it generally, whatever happens in the US, it's that classic, you know, kind of example. Whenever the US sneezes, the world catches a cold. And it's exactly the same with Amazon when it comes to the changes that are there. So before we 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 dig into that, and then I want to talk about the 2D uh, workflow uh, software as well, which has been really revolutionary in its field in terms of what it's been able to do in the shipping process of sending goods to Amazon. So we've got a lot to cover uh, this, guys. Um, I'll try and bring in comments when you can. Feel free to ask questions as we go. There is loads of you on tonight, so we will do our best. But obviously, we want to make sure we are respectful as you know as much as possible, or as we can be of Larry's time. So uh, we try and be quick and concise, which is something I kind of struggle with a lot of the time. I'm a big talker, as most of these <laughs> <Same>. guys know. <laughs> oh, we could be here till midnight. Well, at least you'll be you it'll be a civilized time for you anyway yep, to be able yep, to do yep. that. That's fine. Okay, so, you know, just before we we dive into all, all the other side of it, uh, for anyone that doesn't know who you are, I mean, like I said, big personality, uh, big seller in the US, spa uh, US space, and, and, and you are known to so many people, so many people, people that have been watching this would have got experience from you, would have got gold nuggets, learned from you over the years. But for anyone that doesn't, would you mind just giving us that brief history of yourself and what you kind of what caused you to get into this and, you know, all the usual kind of uh, intro. Sure. No, no pressure with that. Yeah, <laughs> right, I'm off. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been selling on Amazon since 2011. Um, for those who don't know me, I am a product of immigrants, first generation um, family that came here to the States, um, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Before I was ever looking into Amazon, I was a stockbroker for many, many years. That business had its ups and downs, ultimately didn't work out for me. And I kind of found myself um, in a financial midlife crisis, for lack of a better term. I was 30 years old. I was broke, destitute. I was forced to, with my you know, tail tucked between my legs, forced to go live at home with my mom and just really reevaluate what the next step and phase of my life would be, what my career would be, what I would do. Um, and I didn't know anything about Amazon. I didn't even know Amazon existed. I was just like literally looking for um, any kind of odds and ends jobs that I can take just to pay my bills and, you know, make ends meet and all of that kind of stuff. And when looking for a job, I reached out to 
one of uh, one of my friends, kind of like an acquaintance who I went to high school with, and this was someone who um, they had a optical shop and they were selling glasses online and they were doing eBay at the time. And he was hiring someone just to help with their customer service, shipping out some boxes, answering phones, doing some computer work, that kind of stuff. So I went to work with him um, pretty much doing eBay. That's how I got my start. He would have the optical store. They would have a large inventory of different uh, eyeglasses, sunglasses. And my job would be taking pictures, making them look nice and creating listings and selling those listings on eBay. And then basically dealing with the full gamut of eBay, dealing with customers, doing the packing, doing the shipping, doing the customer service, doing all of that, um, while at the same time doing customer service for his optical store. Um, it was basically like a nine to five thing. So this buddy who was doing who had an optical store and he also had a beauty salon at the time and he started getting into selling the products that he was retailing in the optical and in the beauty salon he started selling them online he started selling um doing that on ebay which i was helping with but at the same time he was also building a amazon business and selling those products on amazon in the us he was selling the eyewear and he was selling beauty supplies and stuff like that on amazon and he came to me and he said you know what my hands are kind of full I'm doing Amazon here in the US. Um, there's also this huge untapped market in the UK called Amazon UK. Here's how it works. He showed me the calculator. He gave me the basic five minute explanation of what Amazon FBA is. Here's how the ranks work. Here's how you list a product. Here's what we buy it for. Here's what we can sell it for. You enter the ASIN in the calculator. There's your profit. Larry, you figure it out. You can run the UK business. I'll put up the funds. Um, I'll put up, you know, everything that I have in terms of the connections and the stores and the wholesale relationships and all of that. You do literally everything else. And at the end of every month, we'll figure out what the profits are and we'll give you a third of the profit revenue sharing split. But catch is you have to do it outside of your regular nine to five job, nights, weekends, stuff like that. So I said, no problem. At that time, I was just hungry for work. I was hungry to make money and then for probably two years straight, every night, every weekend, I was doing product research and finding products that we can get from wholesalers that we had access to because of his two retail brick and mortar stores here in the US, listing those products in the UK. Um, it was also a tremendous help that at the time that we started, the conversion of pounds to the dollar was about 1.75. Yeah. So that made everything just have a ridiculous ridiculous, ridiculous profit margin. It was like nuts. We were literally buying products that were just, I can't even tell you, we were buying like, for example, a $5 bottle of shampoo that would cost us five US dollars. And because these products are rare, harder to come by in the UK because they're being sold for pounds. We would have items that we would buy for five US dollars and we're selling them for 20, 25 pounds. And if you do the number on that, it's like a three, 400% profit on all of yeah. these items. And this was also going back to 2011. So the competition was a lot less. Um, Amazon FBA, as a lot of you veterans would know, um, was kind of like the wild, wild west back then. No That's complaints. What we call it. Well, not, well, yeah. Yep, not many Amazon issues, just you know, it was smooth sailing for lack of a better term. And yeah, I spent the next um couple of years building up that business. I think within our first 12 months, you know, due to this 
amazing untapped marketplace. We built a seven figure business pretty quickly. I was able to leave the customer portion part of that job at about a year into it and focus full time on the Amazon business and just working off of building that up and getting a third of the profits and the rest is history. I was able to turn that into um, the business that I am still working on right now. Wow, absolutely. And that is predominantly, you are still an Amazon seller. You know, you you create content, like I said, you have your software, but you're, like you said, it. You, you're, you're first and foremost a seller. That is your main, Correct. you know, thing of everything that you do, which is, you know, I was talking about this to someone earlier on one of our other live streams. Uh, we have, we had two section threes and a deactivation in the US market last year. And, you know, it cost us a lot of money. And uh, I, I joked at some point that, you know, I would become a full-time guru and, you know, like a legit full-time guru who doesn't sell on Amazon and uh, give up the selling because I was fed up with Amazon at that time. And uh, a couple of people thought I was being serious. And, but, you know, when you have been doing Amazon for as long as you have, when you've been selling for a, a, as long as you have, it's very hard. It's like a love affair, right? It's a real love hate relationship that develops with Amazon. And I don't you know, I, I would find it really hard to kick it to the curb, even with all of the changes that have taken place over the last, well, I've been a seller for the last seven years. So I didn't even experience, you know, the, the, the even wilder West before that, but you and know, it was even I, wilder before I started. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely. Were you around? Cause when did FBA come in? Uh, was it 2010? I think it was before. No, it was before then. I don't yeah. remember exactly off the top of my head, but it wasn't brand, brand new when I started in 2011. I think it might go back as far as 2008, but don't quote me on that. I don't know for sure, but yeah. it was definitely after I had started. Yeah, absolutely. i uh, got a couple of comments here. A few people have said, uh, talk about the wild, uh, yeah, Rosie, talk about the wild, wild west of Amazon. Yeah, good old times, definitely for sure. Uh, someone says there, uh, I think, oh no, that's Hayden. He says, Larry was the first Amazon YouTuber I ever saw when I was getting into Amazon four and a half years ago. There you go. So absolutely, um, good times to be able to come back and, you know, see, see someone that inspired you at the start. Absolutely. So, um, when we talk about, you know, having that that big kind of Amazon business, and I always say this to anyone that's watching, for someone of your size, your experience, and, and how much that you've sold, I always like to try and be able to plug the gaps between someone like yourself and obviously sellers who are either just starting out or sellers that have been doing it for a long time who are uh, are not a multi-eight-figure seller. So we always like to try and keep it uh, as relatable as possible. But it's just everything you do is the same, you know, as these guys, but it's just on a bigger scale, right? You know, and it is possible. With Amazon, you can achieve everything. Yeah, uh, you know, what I wanted to ask, with all of the changes that you've seen over the years, with the COVID pandemic, everything that we've gone through, with the changes you know that are going to be coming, is the opportunity still the same now as it was then? I know that that's a very loaded question because obviously the market has changed and everything like that. But do you believe someone could come in now to this market and replicate your success? Yes, but they're going to need certain things to do it. And when we talk about scale, the one relatable scale that I think people should relate to is the most important scale in my success 
is the fact that I've been doing this since 2011. So we're going on like 13, 14 years. That's it. Like, I wish I can come on and give you guys some like secret hack or secret, you know, trick that's going to do it. But that's what's going to do it. If you just commit yourself and, you know, there's obviously other things you need capital and you need to work really hard and you need to be smart and all those things kind of go without saying. But the most important thing is the time you meet in this business. A lot of people who have been selling on Amazon for maybe a year or two and a lot of those people fail or they don't succeed or they don't get to where they had hoped or where they thought they were going to go. But it's very rare that you meet someone who has stuck it out for seven, eight, nine years and who doesn't have some level of what almost anyone would consider a very high level of success in this business. So that's really the secret. And like I said, of course, there are other things that come into it. Um, obviously, we had some investors. We put a lot of money back into our business. We took loans and capital and all of that, which is one of the things that are required to grow a big business. But the main thing is just working on it full time for north of 10 years, that's going to get you to where you want to go ultimately. Um, is the opportunity still there? Yes, it's a different type of opportunity. That opportunity always changes. Um, is it a lot harder and a lot more competitive than it is today than it was in 2011, 100%. I would be lying if it wasn't. There are a lot more tools though right now. Like for example, when I was starting in 2011, outside of the FBA calculator, there was no Keepa, or at least I didn't know what Keepa was. There was no list scanning tools or software, or at least I didn't know what they were until a couple of years down the line into my business. Everything was manual. There was no one really making content. There was no gurus, whether you know a genuine guru or a bullshit guru. There was really nothing. So you kind of just learned by doing. So yes, I think the, um, the opportunity is still there. It's different. You're going to get knocked down a lot. You're going to face a lot of different challenges. You're going to have to persevere it. But one of the things that I always tell everyone, just like any real business, any you know business endeavor that you're taking, there's a saying 90% of businesses fail it's probably no different with our business. I would probably even say that the numbers are a little more favorable in our business, but yeah. that's just what it is. And it's not because Amazon is hard. It's not because FBA is hard, even though it is. It's just the nature of humans, the nature of entrepreneurship. A lot of people aren't cut out to be entrepreneurs. Someone's more cut out to have a regular job or to be a doctor or to be a lawyer where you don't have your own practice. But for people who are Entre entrepreneurial personality types. If you do that and you put in the time and you have the capital and the effort to invest, as long as you can combine all of those things together, it's almost impossible to fail, in my humble opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think longevity, uh, the longer you can be in it, uh, anyone that I know is around from the same time that I, I was a seller, which to be honest is I don't know, 5%, maybe something like that of the people that were uh, around at the time. And, you know, there's been such an evolution through the pandemic of, of the, the influx of new sellers that have been coming on that literally, I always say, you know, during the same, and I'm sure I wasn't actually selling in the States uh, throughout the whole pandemic at that time. So I wasn't aware, I'm assuming uh, it was exactly the same as it was here that you could literally package up a pile of poop and put it on Amazon and it would sell during that period of time. You know, you literally, as long as you had the stock, it would sell. Um, and, you know, because that's obviously what it was like here. But with 
with managing all of that and all of the changes that have have taken place, especially over the last couple of years post pandemic, where we've seen the world return to normal, we've seen not demand drop off of an Amazon, but maybe I don't know more saturation, but certainly post pandemic demand has dropped off. How do you manage your risk within a business of your size um, with those changes afterwards, ensuring that you're not over leveraged if you are over leveraged and, um, you know, changing interest rates, you know, where predominantly investment money was very cheap to borrow for a period of time versus now. I'm really sorry. I realized there was like 20 questions in there. So pick out That's what you okay. <laughs> so I uh, So just to address, the, so one of the things I like about our business model and wholesale in general and kind of Amazon in general is you're not tying up all your funds into any one specific product. Your products are spread out. We have, you know, thousands of different products in our catalog. Um, it is very common to purchase something and it goes to shit or you have a brand or you have a product line that goes to shit. It's very, very common, but it's a small portion, small fraction, small percentage of what you have. And that's what makes the business risky, but at the same time, not risky at all. Uh, but there's also when selling on Amazon or, you know, the few of us who are brave enough to decide that we want this to be our full-time career profession, you just have to get used to dealing with the facts that, uh, that things are going to change. They're going to change fast. Amazon is going to knock you down a lot. And when that happens, you either have to deal with it. You have to adapt. You have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and just keep moving forward. And like one of the biggest examples of that that I can give, and this is because you mentioned in the UK post-COVID. So from about 2011 all the way up to about COVID time, my business, I would say, is probably 70, 80 percent UK based business. My percentage of US business was actually very, very small. We were focusing on the UK so much because less competition, less Amazon rules. And, you know, there are products that you would buy and send here in the States where you would be making a 20 cent profit on it in the UK and Europe. You were making a five pound profit on it. Yeah. You were making 10 cents here. You were 10% uh, here. You were making 90% there. But as always, all good things come to an end. Um, one of the big things that killed our business, because essentially my UK business did get killed for lack of a better term over the last couple of years, it first started with Brexit. So we and this is not for everyone who sells in UK. This is specifically for the model of going from US to the UK. So yeah. the pound in relation to the dollar, that completely went to shit. When a yeah. lot of your catalog is based on profits because you're getting $1.75 per every pound, and then the pound drops to 1.10 versus 1.75, instantly in that drop, 50, 60, 70% of your catalog gone. Products yeah. that you would buy last month, can't buy them this month because the market changed. So what can you do? There's nothing you can do about it. Find more products, do more research. You were selling a thousand SKUs before and now you have 300 SKUs. What can you do? Nothing besides for a look for more SKUs. Then Brexit came. We were big on the pan-EU program, uh, but right. we were only shipping all of our stuff into Britain. When Brexit happened, that made it a lot more difficult and a lot more complex to get products into the whole of Europe outside of the UK. So that kind of killed the business. And then when COVID came along, um, 
exporting or importing stuff into the UK got a lot more strict. That killed the business. Um, there was a period of time right when COVID first broke out where they say, hey, you know what? Um, Amazon's great. Everything's selling on Amazon, but you can't ship. Like UPS wasn't taking our shipments. Yeah, or shipments. Oh, I remember so, that. Yeah. You know, and what happened? My business went from probably 10, 12, 13 million at its peak sales in the UK down to one, two, three million pounds per sale. And what, you know, you, you have two options, either pack it up and leave or start focusing on what other opportunities you have. Um, I had a transition period in my business where we had to kind of take a step back away from the UK, focus more on the US. Um, it definitely was a learning experience and we had to do a lot of things differently because the markets are so different. But yeah, you know, if you can survive that and not pack up and leave eventually you get to a place where everything works out yeah absolutely it's so interesting the amount of people i've interviewed i've been doing this podcast for about three years something like that the amount of people i think i can honestly say that you are the first person that had uh, a negative impacting due to covid and a retraction of your business but presumably that gave you an opportunity when you've been doing this as long as you know you have uh, and I was again i was talking about this someone earlier so you know, when you see these challenges and these evolutions and the changes in front of you, uh, when you've been doing it for as long as you have and you've navigated it, you've got through it previously, uh, it's more a case of looking at it as an opportunity sometimes instead of looking at it as, oh, God, you know, got to pick myself up. Like I said, I, I think there was a hint of the Rocky quote there about getting hit, you know, and kind of keep on moving forward. Does that contribute to your success uh even more presumably you switched focus to the us at that time saw that as the opportunity to move back into the uk the local market for yourself and i i wasn't looking at it as a great opportunity we were obviously gutted we had a huge yeah. uk business which went to shit but i mean again there's there we couldn't do anything about it it's either quit yeah. and find something else to do or just figure out how to make the other opportunities that you have work for you and they required more capital the numbers were different the type of products that we're selling were different the type of work that we're doing now in the us is different than what we were doing initially in the uk so i to be honest i wasn't looking at it as this great opportunity i was just kind of looking at it as something that i had to do if i wanted to carry on and continue in this business and that's you know what you have to do in any business and in amazon whether it's this particular scenario that i laid out or whether it's someone selling in europe or whether it's someone selling in the states or whether you have a you know huge supplier or a brand that you're working with that is responsible for 60 70 percent of your sales and then one day you're going to wake up and they're just gone and then you're yeah. not going to look at it oh well now i have a great opportunity to rebuild no you're going to look at it like oh shit, this is horrible this sucks but what can i do now nothing besides for putting your head down and figuring it out. And like I said, if you work hard enough and you're smart and you have that entrepreneurial personality type, which is a prerequisite to being an entrepreneur in any field, um, yeah. then I think you'll make it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to come back to some of the questions, but I just, something I picked up on there and it's very much that thrive or survive kind of, you know, being able to switch from that. Is that a personal skill that you have? Do you find that easy do you find it difficult and in if you could pick I mean obviously that's a silly question not if you could pick how do you personally respond better as an entrepreneur 
in survival mode or thrive mode? Um, I mean, it's a tough, it's not a tough, it's tough to put into words the answer to that. So I don't know if I have a particular skill or if there was something I learned or something that made me adapt, uh, adept to adapting. It's just kind of when you have no other choice, like I wouldn't like, you know, before I started doing like content or anything like that, I would literally, if Amazon, my Amazon business closed down, I would have no idea what I would be doing next. So I was like forced in a position where I had to figure it out. I don't have a plan B. It's kind of like the old adage of, you know, burning your bridges when you get to the island to make sure you don't retreat. So it's yeah. not a particular skill or something like that. It's just, there are certain people that have that in them. It's part of the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial personality type that just some people who tend to be the ones who succeed in business have that in them. And I don't know if it's something that you can teach. It's something that you can um, explain to people that, hey, you get knocked down, you get up, you keep going. It, you know, it all sounds logical and all of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know what gave me that aside from the fact that many times in life I've had, you know, not many options besides for just give up or keep going. It's really interesting, and I'm I'm really sorry, guys. I can't see whose uh, whose names predominantly are coming up. It's the stupid Streamyard thing. It never, no matter how much they click into it, it still doesn't reveal their names. Um, sorry. So, um, probably a silly question. No such thing as a silly question. We know that, guys. Um, and talking about that, speaking about entrepreneurship, this person said, sometimes I personally wonder if I do have that kind of, uh, you know, kind of mindset. And I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, whether or not it's natural, whether or not it's character, whether or not it's, you know, experience, business maturity. I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's, if it's all of that. It, it, yeah. It's all of that. Um, it's definitely also luck because for example, a part of your business can go to shit and you might want to rebuild, but you might not have the capital. You might not have the connections. You might have some kind of, um, you know, extenuating circumstances that prevent that from happening. So luck um, is definitely part of the equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to interrupt this amazing episode of Beyond the Buy Box, but there's just something I need to tell you about. I'm Matthew, one of the founders of Beyond the Buy Box. And have you heard of The Hive? Are you tired of navigating the challenges of online selling alone? It's time to join a community that understands your journey and has the expertise to help you thrive. Well, welcome to The Hive. Inside The Hive, we're not just a community. We're a mastermind set of individuals committed to your success. Education is at the core of The Hive. With a steady flow of content and weekly interactive live sessions, you'll not only learn about advanced selling strategies, but also discover how effectively to sell across a diverse range of platforms and in various global markets. Network with fellow business owners, share experiences, and keep yourself accountable. Your success is influenced by who you choose to spend your time with. Access invaluable resources from exclusive pre-recorded content to a constantly expanding collection of templates, guidelines, standing operating procedures, and so much more. It's always up to date so you can be confident to stay steps ahead of the competition with the Hive community. Join the Hive today and experience the transformative support you need in the challenging journey of e-commerce. Visit the link below to become a member of the Hive and unlock the door to your e-commerce success. Don't miss out on the Hive advantage. Join the Hive community where success is a collective journey. And I mean, we we talk about luck, but 
kind of err on the side of that a little bit because you've got to be in the right place at the right time and you put yourself there though as well so there it's an element of i don't know probably extended luck uh, essentially there is you know people that were selling and doing well at the pandemic um were there and doing it because they put themselves in that position you know essentially so i think there's an element of that as well uh we've also got a couple of gary v fans uh who saw you with gary v apparently i must admit i haven't seen that so apologies hayden's asking me uh what was it like to meet him so yeah i i have to indulge that question yeah it was pretty cool and surreal i mean this was maybe one or two years into just me making content um, on social media and he had some kind of a contest where it was like you get to shadow him for a day and I won oh, and wow. I spent the day with him and uh, yeah it was pretty cool ah awesome yeah I'm gonna have to go is that still available now I have to go back and have a look no at no oh no. the video is uh, the video is yeah that that's available still yeah okay cool well Cindy is our lovely uh our lovely assistant and moderator Cindy um, I'm sure that she'll do a little bit of digging and see if we can find that video and get it posted on there as well. So, uh, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you for going through that. It, uh, you know, I can't answer everyone's questions. Unfortunately, we had, it's interesting when you were talking about the Brexit, we used to call it the B word for a really long period of time, but then COVID, you know, sort of shat all over that anyway as well. So we kind of moved on from Brexit uh, a little bit, but there were so many people, you know, UK sellers, and even though it was a UK uh, decision, please, guys. No politics, no arguments. I don't want to get. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. Um, but even though it was a UK decision, uh, you know, uh, decision for it to happen, uh, essentially, it there was literally it was awful at the time, and the pandemic kind of skirted over that. Literally, people I know lost millions of pounds overnight, and the trouble was. In this, in what, in what way? What, what are they? How did they lose the money? That were selling uh, from the UK into Europe without borders, without custom checks, without limits, without restrictions, without anything like that whatsoever. We thought genuinely and probably a little bit naively at the time that Amazon, and I don't blame Amazon for this, their hands were tied, you know, there, there was too much red tape. There is too much red tape politically uh, involved with this. So I don't blame Amazon. I don't see what else they could have done. But we were kind of all thinking that it wasn't just going to switch off and that Amazon would have a plan, you know, to save us all. But literally... 31st of uh, December or whatever date it was, 2009, or whenever we actually Brexited, people literally, their business, I mean, you know it, people, it switched off overnight. People lost millions. And, um, you know, it was very devastating for a lot of people. And I think the only kind of saving grace for a lot of UK sellers was the pandemic when it came along. And it really helped cushion the blow uh, for a lot of those UK sellers. But, you know, and, I, and we're not really, there's no solution for it now still apart well, i mean so being, being yeah so being based in the uk you can still get products fairly easily into another part of europe which will yeah. then allow you to participate in the rest of pan eu which is pretty much everyone but you guys in britain and that to me is one of the biggest opportunities on the marketplace for me it had another level of complexity because i was shipping my products from the us to the UK. 
So during Brexit and all of that, all those borders, checks, all those custom rules, they were even a lot more complex than it is if I was living in the UK, it would be a lot easier. And then shipping doubled in cost and all of those kind of things, which are not really something that would impact someone who is living in the UK right now, who still wants to do it. I still think that's honestly one of the biggest opportunities in the entire FBA space. And I say this to all the time when I speak to either people in my mentorship or just, you know, anyone, when I speak to people who are based in Europe or in the UK, when they're doing Amazon, the opportunity of just doing wholesale throughout Europe with pan FBA, even the way it is right now is in my opinion, still probably the biggest opportunity in the whole of FBA. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We've just recently covered that selling model in our own training mentorship in the Hive. And uh, one of the partners, training partners in that, Matthew Wright, one of our other business partners, that is his model. You know, that's predominantly his model. So this will be music to his ears. Hopefully he's not listening and I'm not going to have to spend the next 24 hours listening to how you confirm that he was right. And, you know, <laughs> you know, with that big opportunity, only joking guys, you know, because it is such a mad opportunity. And what's really funny, uh, such a, well, such a big opportunity is nobody's doing it. Nobody's doing it. We've got a full module cover, covering this in the hive guys and nobody's doing it. it and it's like such a, it's such a good, especially when you're speaking to suppliers and when you're speaking to brand owners. And again, part of the reason that I say that the UK and Europe is such an amazing opportunity, the amount, when you speak to a brand owner or a distributor here in the States, the amount of calls and the amount of time they get bothered by e-commerce sellers compared to what's happening in Europe is probably like a hundred to one. So you have all these distributors, all these suppliers, all these brand owners, in Europe who don't get harassed like crazy by Amazon sellers. So they're just raw, untapped potential there. And then you have the added benefit that you're telling them, not only can you bring their products to market or online, but you can put it in many different countries all throughout Europe. You're going to get their products into France, into Germany, into Spain, throughout the UK. It's just such an amazing, amazing opportunity. And if I if I personally lived in the UK right now, it's what I would be focusing on 100% effort. There you go. Golden nugget. Knowledge bomb there from Larry. You heard it there from the horse's mouth. Biggest opportunity. And that's the thing. It's always finding that untapped opportunity. Uh, I'm a big believer. As soon as everyone starts talking about something, you see those screenshots popping up in the Facebook groups and things, then start looking for something else because that's the time you kind of have to start adapting and evolving there we go thanks cindy she's found it she's like a she's like a bloodhound honestly cindy she will find whatever is on there thanks for posting that so that sounds like that's a fantastic watch for anyone so um we talked about how you started we've talked about the challenges that you face how you run manage risk you know those entrepreneurial skills let's talk about what's happening in the us in the next couple of days uh well thankfully it's a leap year so we've got an extra day to deal with it um but from the first of march there's some pretty big changes we've been a little bit quiet about it because it is one of those we <sighs> you know, we don't truly know what it's going to be 100% until you do it. Of course, we don't know what impact it's going to have until you do it. Could it just be something sucking up these extra fees? And because everybody's on board, everybody lifts their prices. 
that's probably very wishful everyone thinking. everyone loves to say that that whenever amazon yeah. does a change to screw over sellers or whenever they raise their fees or whenever there's something that we have to deal with everyone likes to say oh well everyone's just going to raise their prices yeah, and the cool. consumer's going to pay for that like never happens no I like know. I'm, I'm still waiting for people to raise their prices from like things that happened like five years ago that just doesn't happen unfortunately or if it does it happens on like such a delayed window but um, yeah. yeah, you said it. There's a lot of big changes coming with Amazon, um, especially two, three days from now, March 1st, at least here in the States. Um, they have these new inbound placement fees, which are crazy. And just another one of these things that you have to figure out how to work around and deal with. And it's definitely coming to the UK, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it. I could not see how it wouldn't be in some form. Yes, geographically, we're very different spaces. Uh, a lot of the delivery costs and the reason why, obviously, all of these uh, inventory, uh, sorry, shipping charges are come into place, uh, do not have as big an impact in the UK to ge its geographical size, uh, of course. But things like uh because it's not just the shipping fees which we'll, we'll cover in a sec but it's also the low inventory fees you know there is all of these different you know amazon and again i'm a i'm a big believer you know sometimes these guys shout me down and i don't blame amazon a lot of the time for the stuff that they do you know uh they don't i don't really don't think jeff sits there in a boardroom with his team and saying, right, how can we best screw over Amazon sellers right now? What's the best way to do it? They are a business, pure and simple. If you want to sell on Amazon, you play by their rules, you get exposure to a market that is unparalleled in the world as it stands. So we have to take what they give us, you know, essentially to a certain extent. Yes, you've got to adapt and, and everything like that as well. But this from what I can see, as someone that will be impacted, I know the majority won't for the moment, this has got to be logistically and fee-wise one of the biggest impacts in recent times for sellers, right? Uh, the yes. impact it's going to have on people's businesses. And it's not just the fees. I think the impact are more where, for example, you'd have a lot of sellers operating. They have a nice flow happening every week. They have one shipment that they've created, they, it takes them a week to prep it. And they're in the process of, you know, every five days, every seven days, they're getting one big shipment out to Amazon FBA. Well, now Amazon is going to say, well, now take that one shipment that maybe you put on a pallet, maybe you put on one truck. It's all simple. It's all the same labels. Now take that one shipment and split it up into four different shipments. If the locations are not that spread apart. There might be a, you know, a little increase in the added fees of all the shipping and stuff like that. But now your whole workflow is totally different. Things that you used to put on one truck or, you know, if you're someone shipping out a pallet a week, for example, well, now that pallet has to go to three or four different warehouses. Well, now you can't send the pallet. So what are you going to do? Now you're going to go back to SPD. Now you're going to send three pallets yeah. to three locations instead of one pallet to one location. It's all of those kind of things that just just add another level of complexity to it. Um, obviously, there's that low inventory fee as well, which still people don't really quite understand how they're yeah. going to deal with it unless they're unless they're actually dealing with it. So just all of those things that you have to kind of figure out how to just work with, play the hand you're dealt, and just keep moving forward. I think Amazon have, from what I've seen in their communications with this, 
don't shoot me again, guys. But I do think they've been more um, unusually transparent um, about these fees and, 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 you know, publishing them ahead of time. As sellers that have been around for a certain period of time, how many times have we been rugged with certain things that we didn't know was going to happen? We thought was going to be a big thing. It turns out it wasn't, you know, and vice versa. But with this, I do think they know the impact. They've been transparent on the fees, with the exception of the low infantry fee. That is definitely one I don't think we're going to know until we get those final transaction reports of, of uh, and, you know, you get people like yourself breaking it down and giving a bit of an indication of how you can manage it moving forward. But for anyone that doesn't know, um, you know, there's going to be some shipping changes. If you wouldn't mind just, you know, briefly saying, you know, the difference is obviously there's going to be more split shipments and you're going to have different options. It's going to be almost a, a little bit of a play, sorry, a pay to play model a little bit as well. So, you know, Amazon have kindly uh, given us the opportunity to just pay for it and bypass it all uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> Kindly, or if you don't pay them, you're going to have to pay your shippers and deal with the. You're going to pay in one way. Or you're going to pay right? in one way or another, and yeah, and that's actually what I said in a recent video that I made breaking down all of these fees. Um, so I don't know exactly how it's going to work in the UK because, of course, the UK is different. But in the US, there is right now in your seller central settings there is a toggle in the settings menu that's called inventory placement and you can basically turn it on or turn it off and when you turn it on amazon charges you a ridiculously expensive fee but what per unit but what that fee does is when you create a shipment it allows everything to go to one location when you turn it off you bypass the fee but amazon may or may not every time you're creating a shipment they might give you three four five locations sometimes they give you one location there's really no rhyme or reason but it can happen so they are taking that whole concept and instead of having it be a option that lives in your settings menu they are now putting it at the start of every shipment as you're creating it so now when you create a shipment there is going to be an option do you want all the items in the shipment to go to one location will that cost this much do you want it to go to um to go to three locations and that costs this much. Do you want it to be free? Well, well then it's free, you know, then it's free, but it's going to be four plus different shipments that you have to create going to four different locations. And like I said, that can just create a logistical nightmare. And like I was speaking to people who ship a lot. One of my uh, good friends sends over 250,000 units to Amazon per month. And um, for them, to the, the Amazon warehouses, if you were to drive there, it's maybe like a 15 minute drive from where their warehouse is. But now Amazon wants for the luxury of being able to send all their products to their one nearest warehouse, which they're doing now for free. Amazon wants to charge them another $80,000 per month, which comes net right off of your fees, $80,000 per month to continue sending all of your products here. If you don't want it, no problem. But now instead of sending 200,000 units to one location, send 50,000 here, 50,000 there, 50,000 there. And it, be, it became a nightmare. But this guy was telling me, you know, over my dead body, no matter what, I don't care what I have to do. I'm not going to pay $80,000 per month just to ship something 10 minutes away from where this stuff is located. It makes no sense. So he's trying to figure out ways around it. And he is fortunately someone who has enough volume where if he now needs to send four 
separate truckloads to four locations as yeah. opposed to four trucks to one location. He can do it. But the amount of sellers that have that option are few and far between. So the only sellers that this really doesn't affect are giant mega sellers, like way bigger than me even because it affects me. But if you, if you can, you know, if you're shipping out four, five, six truckloads a month, then maybe you can figure out a way where it doesn't affect you or the smallest sellers who are doing SPD, who are shipping out just boxes every week. And if you're yeah. doing that using partnered carrier, it really doesn't matter if you're sending a couple here, but a couple of there, but that's it. That's the only one who's really not affected. The biggest of the biggest, the smallest of the smallest, everyone else in the middle is going to have to figure out how to deal with this. That's life though. Um, unfortunately as well, a little bit as well. It's generally the people in the middle in whatever circumstances of life yep. are always generally the worst expect, you know, that's the worst place to be in life uh, in general. But what's interesting I find actually with this is it's very complex. It's, you know, there's so many different variables, uh, people with different types of business, business models. If you are high volume, uh, low margin seller, you are going to be impacted very differently to someone who is high vo uh, high margin, lower volume seller. Those people are probably just going to be able to suck it and see, absorb that 27 cent, uh, you know, infantry placement fee and not think too much, you know, about it. We, we are high margin sellers and, you know, our we are of the mind, you know, we will just absorb the fee. It's, it's as simple as that. We don't want to fanny around. We don't want to fuss uh, around with different splits. Now, I will, I will say that that might be wrong to give you some advice in your personal scenario, especially considering the, well, you're probably talking about the U.S. business and not. Uh, U.S. business, not the U.K., yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what I was going to say was, if this is one of the first times ever where Amazon announces a new fee that if you figure it out and if you do it right, you may actually save money and pay less in fees because what Amazon has also done, they have said, you know, we're going to introduce this fee. It's going to be 30, 40 cents a unit. At the yeah. same time, we're also lowering our FBA fees by an average of 20 cents. So it kind of washes each other out. However, if you take the, if you're paying the big fee, and then the FBA fee is lower, you're still coming out of pocket a little. But if you can find out a way to run the business using the free model, which splits it to four plus locations, and you can find the nice rhythm doing that without paying anything in extra fees. And then on top of that, you're saving the 20 cent FBA fee, which is going to be regardless, that's just for everyone out there, then that's one possible scenario where this particular change might be for the best. But again, those use cases are like few and far between. Yeah, and absolutely. And it's it's going to be something that's going to take a certain period of time of looking back, you know, when you get your first week's data and you see how you affect, then you wait for a month to see how, you know, how that changes everything. Then you've got to wait for three months before you make any changes, volume as you move through it. It's something, unfortunately, we're going to have to feel our way through. And we're probably not going to have a true answer of, you know, what is the best model. And again, there's going to be so many variables based on different. Unfortunately, guys, it's going to be be one of those you're not going to get one straight answer from one guru content creator it is going to be a case of test 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 yourself 
test different things. Would you recommend this, Larry? You know, doing some shipments based on the higher fee, some on the lower fee, you know, doing the analysis afterwards and seeing what is working out best for you. I think everything is honestly on a case by case basis, depending mm -hmm. on the individual seller and how they're operating and how much they're shipping and what they're shipping on and what their location is. Because like I said, if you're located in the UK, it might be a totally different scenario than doing than being here in the States. One really good question that just popped into my head. So I know that they're introducing the lower FBA fees to offset the inbound placement fees that start on March 1st here yeah. in the States. I know that doesn't happen in the UK for a while. So I'm wondering, are our UK accounts going to get the same 20 cent average discount and they're not even introducing this fee for, you know, a couple of months or for the. Yeah, I think it's June. Is it June that it's coming into the UK? I think um, or the, the fee changes. Uh, I can't remember. I know we're not immediately impacted um, by. Right, but see, that's what I'm wondering. So, but are they yeah. still going to give you guys the FBA discount fee or are they going to push that back as well? <sighs> Who knows? There's been a couple of big changes. And again, I don't know if you've that we've had pushback in the UK. So uh, I don't know if you guys have had it as well, which has been, is going to be a massive uh, disruption for a lot of experienced sellers. We always call it having the golden goose account, you know, the account that allows us to have full disbursements in our account 24 hours a day without having to pay for it. Uh, in the UK, that's something, uh, when I've, I'm a newer seller in the US, only, you know, 18 months, something like that. So I've had the, the two week, disbursement account there but in the uk we have the golden goose accounts um but we were told nice. by, yeah it has that finished in the us as well um because that's been gradually phased out in the uk uh, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that i'm so i'm pretty sure that on my us accounts i can initiate a disbursement manually every 24 hours without paying an extra fee yeah, it's uh, everybody um, as an Amazon seller has the ability to do that, but it's whether or not you can empty the full balance. So with my no, there's account, always there's always a reserve. Yeah, yeah. A reserve. So with our current UK account, we have the ability to empty the full balance every 24 hours. And Amazon recently put a stop to that, saying it was going to end at the end of the year, but it didn't give people fair notice. Um, so a lot of people that were leveraged, a lot of people, you know, that were, um, you know, buying suppliers had to pay suppliers. They actually went to the government um, for them to oversee it. So Amazon has given us an extension, but it is something that's going to be happening. And I didn't know I, I i didn't know if that was something that whether or not you never had it in the us or not i i'm not 100 sure no we had it in the beginning you used to be able to clear out all of the funds and then i would say several years ago amazon started holding back a four i think it's a 14 day rolling sales average that they're just holding over and the reason that they did that is probably for a good reason because there was a lot of people who would defraud the system yeah they would list a lot of products for sale, a lot of expensive products, FBM, money would come in. They would never ship the products. They would withdraw that money from Amazon right away. Customer would say, hey, I never uh, received my item. Please give me a refund. Well, guy's now gone out of business. The money's been withdrawn. 
no way to refund that money. And that's, that's, yeah. you know, few bad apples. And that's why everyone has to pay the price. Yeah, absolutely. It is something that ultimately is for the seller's protection. And, you know, that's something we've, we've talked about for a long time. So I'm just wondering with this big change with the golden goose accounts um, being reduced, whether Amazon has taken pity on our sellers and are not going to give us too many more big changes uh, in the next couple of months, but maybe that's just wishful thinking because we, it really, yeah, yeah. You know, I like to live in, I like to live in hope sometimes. Me too. Borders on denial sometimes. (laughs) I am a forever optimist. So that's always, you know, always my default mindset, but I just know with Amazon, they're definitely not taking pity on the sellers. Everything they do is for their best interest, or it's something that a government is forcing them into, or it's sometimes for a customer's best interest or what's best for the customer. It is never, ever what's best for the user. I am, though, I will say I am hopeful eventually because there's a lot of issues with Amazon here in the States and the government coming after them and antitrust stuff. I am hopeful and I, for the longest time, have said I think there will come a day where Amazon themselves is going to take a step back from being an actual seller. And that's going to be very good for everyone. And, you know, again, I'm uh, optimist, but I still see that happening. Yeah, I mean that that the chatter on that went really quiet for a period of time. It was lo- a lot of talk that was about that at the moment and the choice that Amazon most think will have in front of them at some point is either some sort of back-end buy box, they stop being uh, sellers themselves competing with third-party sellers. One of the ideas I heard being chucked about is they would have two different websites. I could never see that happening. No. You know, one for Amazon, one for third-party sellers. So, it, you know, it, it possibly, it could be one of those things that uh, does very much go in the favor of third parties at some point in the future. But we shall have to wait and see what happens with that. And again, it could be something, although it's a, a U.S. issue, um, it's not something that uh, affects um, U.K. sellers, essentially. But Amazon, I say this to my guys, Amazon is such a big machine. They try not to make as many individual changes to their model and their platform even in global different marketplaces, they try and keep the model as similar as they can for logistical and operational reasons uh, as well. So even if something like that, whilst it wouldn't directly impact UK sellers, they may well roll out something similar to keep it in line with the, the global model, right? Yep. And I would also say that for some reason, European governments have a lot more sway over Amazon, at least in the European markets, they're able to get Amazon to change things and to be more fair um, and to do a lot of things that for some reason, our government here in the US can't get Amazon to do. Yeah, absolutely. As a UK US seller who has come a cropper uh, for US policy, I was telling you beforehand, you know, uh, for a a private label products, I can absolutely assure it is easier to get certain things done in the UK versus the US due to, uh, I don't know if it's governmental, um, you know, restrictions. I don't know if it's state restrictions. I don't know whatever it is, but, you know, what there are certain challenges that UK and European sellers do not have. 
yeah. essentially when it comes to versus the US. Right, just before we go, Larry, because I am really conscious of your time. I want to be totally respectful of no it. No worries. Um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, because one of the big impacts and one of the things that you're known for is uh, creating the 2D workflow uh, software as well. And um, for anyone that doesn't know what it is, what is it? How will it help with this situation? And, you know, is it something you mentioned beforehand that potentially this affects you uh, from a good point of view in the short term, but it might have a negative impact on, on your software business and creation moving forward? Right. So I will tell you guys first how prior to 2D workflow. So I originally built a software for my own business. I had no intention of building it and releasing it to the public. I used it for years and years in my own warehouses before ever even dreaming up the idea of offering it to the masses. But basically, here's how my workflow would work in my warehouses. We would put together a large shipment. The guys would take the products, they would prep them. And then instead of just putting the items on a pallet, they would then have to, after they were done, prepping the items. They would have to put the items back down on the warehouse floor. They would have a pen and pad. They would manually write down the box content. You know, for example, SKU number yeah. one, we have 10 boxes of 20. SKU number two, we have, you know, 10 boxes of 12, whatever it is. They would manually write down the expiration date because then at the end of every shipment, Amazon now has put this in the beginning of every shipment, which is even crazier, but that's another story. But at the end, when you were done prepping all the items for your shipment, you would have to go into Amazon. You would have to manually through a web form or through an upload, enter all your box content, how everything is packed, what the expiration date is on every item. Only then would you get your box labels. And then you would have to go back into your warehouse where all your items that you prepped are, in my case, they were laid out on the warehouse floor and we would have to match up box label number one with box number one, box label number 10 with box number 10. And that process added, you know, we had this nice flow where we were putting together big shipments. And at the end of every shipment, this was a process that took my whole team almost a full day. Like our full Friday was spent matching up box labels to boxes, doing box content. It was very inefficient. And that's the reason why I created 2D Workflow. And what it allowed the guys in my warehouse to do is pack, prep, label, ship, all of that kind of stuff much faster. And now they can take an item, they get labels for it, they prep it, the box label comes out right away, they put it on the box, that box goes on a pallet, the item is 100% done, there's no more sorting things out in the warehouse, there's no more having to come back to boxes or items at the end of every shipment to match up box labels to boxes. And it just made that process so much smoother. And then another one of my personal pain points before I built 2D Workflow was I was kind of married to my warehouse in a sense where whenever we created a shipment, either myself or one of my partners, we would have to be there to print yeah. out item labels for our workers. And then they would sort all the different products in a shipment. And I would make, I would, I remember I would print out labels. I would cut them out with a scissor. I would staple the different SKUs of labels together. And I would put, here's a stack of labels for product A, here's a stack of labels for product B, so on and so forth. But I would physically have to be there to assign them, to tell them what items to do. Here are the labels for them. Here are how I want these things packed. And it would almost be to the point where if myself or one of my partners went away on vacation, our operations would almost come to a halt because there was yeah. no one there at a higher level 
to give out those assignments, print those labels. And those were the main two pain points I had when I created 2D Workflow. It now acts as my warehouse manager so I can make a shipment. It's going to give my workers the instructions. It'll tell them which items they need to are in the shipment, where to find them, how to prep them at the touch of a button. It'll give them the labels for those items. They'll enter the box content right away. And it just makes that part really, really simple, really, really efficient. And for people who are sending a lot of stuff to FBA, this literally gives you the, the ability. If you're, if you're right now weekly able to produce 5,000 units, this will help you produce 7,000 or 8,000 units. If you're shipping out 500 units a week based on your current operation, this will help you do in that same time frame, seven or 800. And it's just going to make your life as the owner a lot easier to where you're not married to your preppers, to where you don't have to be there telling them what to do, printing the labels. A lot of people don't want their preppers going into Seller Central and doing all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So that was the main reason that um, I built the tool to make box content a lot easier. And then it had a lot of other you know, tertiary benefits like shipments with 2D barcodes are received at Amazon faster. Um, yeah. We eliminated a lot of mistakes that preppers would make, or sometimes we would put the wrong labels on the wrong stack of items, that kind of stuff. It would give us the ability to track the production of our workers, see who's doing what, making sure everyone is, um, you know, working and producing as they should be. And uh, in regards to the new fees and the new splits that that's happening. One of the new features that we came out with, um, and it works in the UK too, even if it has nothing to do with fees, but there will be times where you make a shipment and Amazon wants you to send it to three different locations. Let's say Doncaster, Swansea, Peterborough, or whatever it is, they're splitting it up into three shipments. We have a new optimized feature that lets you press a button and get a shipment where Amazon is suggesting you ship it to three different locations. We have the ability to force it in most cases all into one shipment, all to the one FC of your choice, which has been um, very, very beneficial to wow. us and to our users. And I would say the only downside of that is eventually Amazon is going to change their inbound API. They're probably going to plug up this loophole. But I mean, as is always the case with Amazon, if we can do this for the next three months, six months, eight months, however long we can do it, we will. However long we can avoid paying these inbound placement fees, we will. And um, yeah, just a very beneficial tool for anyone who is shipping anything of any quantity to Amazon. I would say unless you're just shipping out a couple of uh, boxes a week, you may not need it unless those inbound placement fees are already in effect in your market. But anyone who's you know sending products often to FBA centers, check out to the workflow because I think the 97 US bucks that we charge per month is far going to outweigh um, any inbound placement fees that you would incur. Yeah, absolutely. So that was going to be the question that I was unsure of before this call. So for anybody that is a US seller, whether or not 2D workflow would still force that change with the new in, uh, uh, inbound placement fees. And it would. 
it would. Uh, it doesn't work in every single scenario. Like for example, you cannot merge or combine oversized items with standard items or hazmat items or things like that, regular, yeah. you know, standard Amazon exceptions. But yes, because Amazon's API works differently than creating shipments on Seller Central. It always had, um, even with the current inventory placement system that exists today, um, we are still able to force everything to one location without having to opt into the inbound placement fees. Uh, yeah. Furthermore, we're able to do it um, in a fully compliant way. We're not doing anything that's against terms of service or anything like that. It's just the way their API works currently. Yeah. Now, I know for a fact they're changing their API. They want to make it function exactly the way it's going to function on Seller Central. Uh, but who knows when they're going to do that. And even if we can, you know, save people money on these fees for three months, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, it's going to be a big win, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't know even when the API uh, change occurs, there might be a different workaround at that point. There might be something else that, be, you know, that can be implemented at that time. So I think very much when you are an Amazon seller, you do have to make hay uh, why the sun shines and you have to take advantage of what is available to you at that period of time. You touched on it earlier. Um, you know, longevity is not a coincidence um, with being an Amazon seller. You have to have that ability to adapt, evolve and move with the times on Amazon. And we are going to see, guys, I've talked about this for a really long time, COVID save some of these big changes from coming into place you know this stuff was already going to be happening and you know or some of it was going to be happening before then it was just amazon could not make the changes due to the yep. increased demand that they had uh as effect of of the pandemic so this stuff was going to happen anyway so you know and one thing we always say is Selling on Amazon today is not the same as it was yesterday, and it certainly won't be the same as it is tomorrow. So get used to that fact. And if you cannot get used to this fact, it might not be for you, unfortunately. So I hate to be the person that says it, but, you oh, know, well yeah, it's we're, we're we're those type of gurus, I'm afraid. Or you can just pay us a grand and, and we'll, we'll feed you a bunch of crap. It's up to you, you know, whatever you prefer. But the reality of the truth and the situation, that is exactly what it is. So, um shameless plug time um you've dedicated so much of your time to us this evening i really really appreciate it so if anyone wants to find you if i'm sure they can uh where can they follow you if anyone wants to sign up to 2d workflow is there some sort of trial period uh there is there is a like that so on the website, there's a 14 day trial. I will hook up anyone on this call with an extended free 30 day trial. You can get it at 2D workflow slash VIP 30. Nice. That's the um, that's the code to get a free 30 day trial. Otherwise, you can find me um, on most social media platforms at Watch Me Amazon. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here, Larry. Thank you for spending so much time with us explaining what's happening. Uh, you know, well, telling us so much about yourself. There were some real golden nuggets uh, and hot tips that were, were, were spoken about them for anyone with eagle ears. And, you know, telling us about these changes that are occurring, because I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of people talking about it. So either people don't have the uh, experience or understanding of what's happening, or maybe we're all just sticking our heads in the sand. I don't know. I, so I think this is one of the first times specifically with the, so the new inbound placement fees, those are pretty understandable. 
Um, I think a lot of people are not talking about that one because they don't know that softwares like 2D Workflow exist. And there's really not much to talk about in a sense where they think they're, they're you know, there's nothing really you can do about yeah. it. You either no. pick the cheap option, the expensive option, that's it. They don't know things like 2D Workflow exist that can help with that. So obviously I'm trying to get the word out on that. In regards to the new low inventory fee, I think this is one of the only times that I've seen such a big change come to Amazon. And you're right, people are not talking about it, but this is like one of the first times I've seen people not talking about it because no one really quite yeah. gets it. No one really quite understands how it works. And I mean, the way I look at it in an absolute worst case scenario, so we do wholesale replenishables every time we buy a new product we always test it and we and this is one of the biggest question marks with that new inventory low inventory fee is when you're testing something for the first time and you're sending in 24 or 36 units how is that low inventory fee going to apply and i said to myself all right you know worst case scenario it's going to cost an extra 20 bucks 30 bucks to test a new product for the first time, you bought 24 units, you think it's going to sell, it doesn't sell, you now are paying an extra fee, you know, an extra 50 cents or whatever it is for those 24 units. And you have to pay an extra 20, 30 bucks to test an item. So be it, it is what it is. But aside from that, if you have a good inventory management system, which you guys are building, and you practice something that is called just in time, inventory management or just-in-time yeah. replenishment, which is what these inventory systems are designed to do, then it really shouldn't affect you because you are replenishing before you really go into low inventory. And that should be good. It's just a big question mark with testing products. And yeah, no one's really talking about it because no one really knows exactly how it's going to play out. No, it really is a case of that kind of... Uh patting your head and rumming your stomach at the same time, you know, not having too much inventory, but not going out of stock. You know, it's finding that nice balance. And but that's our business model, you know, so yeah, when absolutely. we do also that, that's what we're trying to do on a day in and day out basis. I'm always, I never buy a ton of inventory. I never go super deep on anything. Yeah. Things that I buy consistently, I like to keep two months, three months worth of inventory. But my goal is to always get close to selling out without selling out, replenish just in time when I have, you know, about a month's work of left of inventory. So all of that should be golden with a good inventory management tool and with a good repricer with repricer strategies. The only thing, and this is if you're a private label, you don't have to worry or deal with this kind of stuff. But for us arbitrage sellers or resellers, when we're bringing on new products and testing new listings. Um, there's a lot of questions that remain to be answered. Yeah, absolutely. But it's going to be a test it and see, see what happens. And, you know, people like yourself, um, hopefully, uh, well, I know you'll be keeping us updated, you know, with your results and, and multiple people will as well. That's why we, you know, these communities are so important for Amazon sellers. You're not on your own, guys. We're kind of all in it together. Yeah, we'd all kind of probably stab each other in the back if we could to get a sale. But, you know, let's, uh, you know, we can all work this stuff out together anyway as well. Uh, Cindy, Thank you so much. She has literally, everyone needs a Cindy in her life. She has posted your link tree, uh, your YouTube channel, the offer for 2D Workflow. And uh, yeah, so thank you for Cindy. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, thank Larry, you, Cindy. Thank, yes, thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and kind of diving down deep on anything, uh, you know, everything. Uh, 
if you can, at some point later in the year, we'd love to have you back to talk about maybe the impact of all this stuff. You know, I'm not talking about next month, you know, maybe closer Q3 to Q4, something like that. It'll and be we'll my pleasure. Know, yeah, a bit more of the impact of everything of, of, of what's going to happen. So we'd love to have you back then if you've got the doubt to do it. Johnny says shout out to B-Stock. That's, uh, that's the inventory management software, the replenishable software that we're creating. It's predominantly for bundles, essentially, because that's, you know, the the business of, of where we sit uh, within the market as well. So uh, again, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Anyone that's watched, I'm sure you agree. Give, ha uh, you know, give Larry a hand and really, you know, make him, you know, feel appreciated. We, we really do appreciate it for sure. So guys, I will see you next week usual time one o'clock i have a new guest with me do the usuals if you're watching us on replay on youtube i'm the world's worst youtuber please give us a thumbs up give us a comment show some love for larry uh you know do whatever you need to do hit that subscribe button and um yeah we really do appreciate it so um thanks everyone guys take care larry thank you thanks thanks for having me look forward to being back take care bye